Welcome, everybody, to the Robert John and the Wreck podcast. We are a five-piece rock and roll band from Orange County, California, that travels the world eating local foods, drinking local drinks, and melting faces. I'm Steve. I'm Warren. I'm Robert. I'm Andrew. I'm Henry. Yeah. That was so much energy. Yeah, I love it. Gotta have energy for episode 46. They 46. I keep going up one number each week. Yes. I love it. It's crazy. I don't Welcome get excited everybody. about much, guys, but I do get excited for Mondays. It's great. You're the opposite of uh, Garfield. Garfield. <laughs> yeah. I like lasagna. <laughs> do you hate lasagna? Hate Mondays. No, I love lasagna. I just haven't been doing a lot of like bread or bready things bread. lately. So are bread. you saying that you're Garfield without the negativity? No, I'm plenty negative. You know me. <laughs> Steve, okay, Yo. I don't know how we're getting into food already, but I made spaghetti squash lasagna once, and it is really good. Nice. It's like you hollow out a spaghetti squash, and you cook it like you normally would, but then do like what you would do with the lasagna, like put the cheese and stuff in it. Yeah. And it's a low-carb lasagna, and it's so good. Did you go full like ricotta and everything? Or Yeah. Nice. Mix okay. that ricotta in there, get some parm. Ooh. Keep Some talking. Spinach. Keep talking. Rick and Parm came to the party. You make me yeah, hungry. Italian ear porn. Yeah, <laughs> definitely. <laughs> Parmesan, I feel like is is like crack to Italians. It's just you want it on Parmesan in the wreck. Yeah. <laughs> hey yo, that's funny. I haven't heard that. So it's not good. Of us where wasn't that a wasn't that a by a can of Parmesan by a magician? Was or it? that's the name of our signature sandwich? Was oh. Now, what would it be? Hold on. Everyone needs their own version. So, uh, Parmesan on the Rack, starting with Steve. Chicken Parmesan on the Rack. What is that sandwich? Chicken Parmesan on the Rack. Chicken Parm, but with our name. That was lame. War. War. Do better. Uh, (laughs) I feel like we had to get that one out of the way if people could be creative. You're welcome. I, like, don't know anything else that really uses, like, like, Parmesan as a main ingredient. What if it was a pizza, but it was a sandwich? There you go. Perfect. A chicken parm pizza sandwich. Like a calzone. I was going to, I mean, it kind of makes sense to do the chicken parmesan sandwich because it's in the name. But because of the wreck, we add jalapenos to oh, it. Shit. Oh, shit. God damn it. There you go. And uh, um, anyone can add any more things, but I think chicken parm, but it comes, it comes specifically with jalapenos. And pineapple? Would be my pick. Or you um, do I don't know. Sandwich. Pineapple. Yeah, man. I don't know. I mean, that's more the pizza side. I don't know. I mean, I think it probably tastes great if there was pineapple in it, but I feel like we get some discouraging uh, comments to people who order it and don't know. Uh, That's their loss. I think my version would be just a grilled cheese with all Parmesan, which is amazing if you guys have ever had it before. I've never had Tomatoes and some olive oil on that bitch. Maybe some basil. Oh, wow. I don't know. You can have a party. Slap it on there. (laughs) Slap some bacon on it. Slap some bacon on it. What's this sandwich we had this week? Like it was prosciutto and oh, sorry, Henry. Let me not like Dude. derail you before we Dude, talk. Dude, whatever about. that sandwich was, but just way spicier, and with basil with yeah. like some Calabrian chilies or something. Calabrian, Calabrian chilies, Calabrian. Calabrian. You guys don't know what that is? Isn't that some kind chili? of planet? No, it's. I a, think you just mispronounced Colombia. It's like a southern Italian. <laughs> Colombian. They have really good cocaine in Colombia. <laughs> look it up, bro. Look it up. Look it up. Uh, 
Look at that, It just lended something that so well. Look at that, bro. The fucked up guy, like, trying to talk about something. You're supposed to travel the kilometer right now. We're chilling, bummers. This is more for the, for the thriller purpose from Columbia. <laughs> I can already tell this episode is going to be great. That's gonna oh, be yeah. Great. Everyone's uh, already going for it. Yeah. Fuck yeah. Oh, what's up, Banditos? Yeah, Banditos. Banditos are here. Otis is here. Oh, yeah. It's a party. Oh, yeah. What's up, Otis? Yeah. And all we're doing is go. talking about our, our chicken parmesan <laughs> sandwich that's out uh, <laughs> near you. Yeah. I really hope, dude, I really hope uh, Docent would do that. That'd be pretty cool if they did a parmesan on the wreck sandwich. <laughs> talk to them about that. That'd be great. I'll give them a call tomorrow. Because they have the, they have the uh, whatever that thing is, the, well, I can't remember what it's called. Oh, the thing with, caprese, the, with the thing? The caprese. Yeah, yeah. Caprese sandwich. They have that. That is really, really good. It's like, dude, these buns with like salami and jalapenos in them are the greatest thing in the world. What yeah, is it called? Steam rollers or whatever? Robert? What? The rolls. What are those things called that they have? The oh, rolls, like the, the mountain rollers. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Mountain yeah, those rollers. things are man. Those. Oh, I mean, they're they're simple, but they're so good. Yeah, delicious. Uh, I never, I never gotten the one with the habanero in it though. Only I only go up to the jalapeno. Wussy. Yeah, you wussy. <laughs> hey, that's just who I am. Um, no. So, what was the sandwich we had this weekend? It was like a caprese sandwich with. Prosciutto on it, right? Yeah, it's yeah. just prosciutto and mozzarella, basil, tomato. Very simple, very light, and very it was delicious. so good. Like, every yeah. bite of basil I got in that, like, was an explosion of flavor in my mouth. That was the lamest thing I've ever said in my life, but that's explosion true. Explosion of flavor. Yeah. And the bread was really good, too. Apparently, they make, yeah, they the, make the bread fresh, so it's all yeah, you tell. super, it was, it was super tasty. Yeah. Where, was, where was it from? Does anyone remember what it's called? It was, um, oh, shit. Uh, no, we don't remember. Henry always remembers <laughs> stuff like that. Something's I know. That's what I, I can't was, remember. I'm going to have to look it up. I remember we had Roros the day before. Mm-hmm. Yeah, Roros. Um, Daryl was like, we got to get this deli place. Yeah. Let's, uh, I don't remember what it was. <laughs> let's uh, tell everyone exactly what we're talking about, why we ate sandwiches in L.A., <laughs> Uh, before we just start talking randomly about who was there and <laughs> oh yeah Warren no, was there dude, I like Eric came I like in and did this like, thing no like we're context, just talking dude. about a story that no one Come knows on. about um, Come on, bro. we got to <laughs> record a couple things this week with our old well technically with our old producer Warren Hewitt but he was doing something for Daryl Thorpe which I guess they've already posted videos of the new stuff I was watching it today so there's little clips out there of what we did if you can find them on the internet. Warren is the guy who produced Glory Bound and the Good, Good Life, Life Pie. I'm like, what's the... It was sitting in front of me two seconds ago. I and he did our first EP, and I used to intern for him before that. So Warren Hewitt has had a big influence on Robert John the Wreck. Steve's yeah. worked for him for years doing a bunch of session work in L.A. So to say that Warren isn't, you know really uh connected with robert john being successful it would be to say you know uh, he helped us out a lot when we were starting and really took a chance on a band um and we weren't la guys we were you know sort of more orange county guys so he did a lot for us when we were starting out so it was cool to help him out with this project and obviously it was extremely beneficial to us 
We got to do a couple songs with a producer named Daryl Thorpe. Daryl has worked with a scary amount of people to us. Yeah. yeah. He was a <laughs> He has a few Grammys. Yeah, he's nine Grammys. Yeah. yeah. Just um, just a couple. He was this a radiohead <laughs> engineer for a long pictures. time. He did a lot of back stuff. Mm-hmm. He was telling us about doing a lot of stuff for Dave Cobb, which Dave Cobb is our like dream sort of, you know, dream producer and um what am I missing, guys? He did stuff with Paul McCartney when he was doing stuff with Nigel. Switchfoot, Beck. God, it was... Yeah. It goes on and on. It was such an experience, and it was fun. It was just yeah. cool being uh, back at Sunset Sound. So Sunset Sound is where we recorded Glory Bound, and we did the rhythm tracks in one day. We recorded ten songs. Mm-hmm. For anyone who knows our uh, discography at all, uh, Cold Night, we were talking about, almost wasn't recorded because yeah. we almost didn't have time. <laughs> it's our biggest song. Last track so, of the that's day, That's pretty man, cool. Yeah. yeah. And, and uh, uh, oh, go ahead. Good. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> but it was cool because that was the first uh, time also that uh, Robert John the Rex been back at Sunset Sound as a band. Um, Andrew and I have both <laughs> tracked there uh, with, with other projects and stuff, but... For us to be back in the same room, yeah. the same studio, uh, Studio Three there at Sunset that we recorded Glory Bound in, and now to come back and and uh, and do it for the first time there with with Warren Henry and and uh, just get back into the room and stuff. It was really comfortable, and Daryl was amazing yeah. to work with, and just yeah, really really good, really cool yeah. two yeah. days of of tracking, and got to do some new stuff, got to do some old stuff, and it was really fun. Yeah. 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 Oh, see, once again. Sorry. Um, yeah, you guys talk about this thing. The first, I, I just want to like Sunset Sound as a place for anyone who doesn't know is a legendary recording studio in LA yeah. where, uh, you know, Crazy. almost a stupid number of records that you've heard of have been recorded there, especially in from the 60s to the 80s. Mm-hmm. So there's a lot of Van Halen on the wall. There's a lot of uh, Toto on the wall. There's a lot Led of Zeppelin, uh, Zeppelin. Um, Prince. Specifically, Tom the room Jones. we recorded in, they call it the Prince Room because yeah. Prince used to live in there. And I was watching one of Warren's videos about Sunset Sound. You could see a kitchenette in that room that's covered up by a tape machine now. But uh, that's literally where Prince used to live and cook his food and then uh, wash his dishes and things like that. And he would live there while he recorded things like uh, 1999 and Purple Rain. And those are the two records they lived there. And I remember, like, it was just him and the tape machine. And, uh, you know, like, that is the, the legendary Prince location is Sunset Sound. And tons of other, even recently, I have a friend who works there, so I get to hear what goes on there. Tons of country people have come in, like Shooter Jennings has done a bunch of records there as a producer and as an artist. And Slipknot did their last record there. Uh, I don't know if I'm supposed to say that or not, but yeah. Well, just all the everyone just won't, won't say anything. Yeah. Or else we'll find you. Yeah, it'll happen. I'm looking at all you right just now. Reach through the internet and just. <laughs> Someone's like, Corey Taylor. Someone told us where you recorded your record. <laughs> yeah. And I was just going to mention earlier is, is something that, you know, we've t- through the, you know, this past record and talking to people about it and how comfortable it is at Jeff's house. 
uh, to record, which I think is a big thing for us, at least for me, to be comfortable where you're recording. Um, I'm only talking for myself, but getting back into that room and it took like the first day to adjust, but like the second day, it almost felt like, oh, okay, you know, we've been before, like it's just it's comfortable space, it's comfortable room, and it's it's you know, it's, there's a lot of crazy stuff that's happened there at studio, but for some reason, it's just super comfortable, and you you don't really, I didn't really think about all the other stuff that's happened in that room. Mm-hmm. It's just kind of nice just to be there with with us and and Daryl and just kind of doing the the studio thing, which you know. It hasn't been too long since we've done that, but being in the actual studio and doing it, it has been a while. So it was kind of nice to get back in and be like, okay, cool. I'm not, studios don't scare me. Like, I feel like I made them in my mind too. I feel like that's a huge thing, right? Like, I feel like I'm at the point now, whatever, 10 years later to not freak out that there's $50,000 worth of microphones in front of my face. I know what they all do. I'm not like curious in that old way. I'm just there to do business if that makes sense you know yeah. like let's just knock this shit out like i don't care about the little stuff and i'm not worried about working with a producer like daryl anymore which i know if that was when we were doing glory down like i would have been extremely nervous you know yeah just like a certain set of nerves there yeah. that i feel like our confidence level has gone up it's just a weird thing to do it at this age rather than when we were in our 20s like still figuring everything out mm-hmm well, and it helped yeah, and too. That, it helped too that, that Daryl's just such a down to earth guy too, man. Like yeah, that, Darryl, yeah. That was really super, rad. Super laid back, cool. Yeah, there's a lot of times that you work with people that that have you know as as much prestige and and uh, awards you know backing up their from their career and stuff that it it can get a little difficult to work with or or uh, you know they have this kind of air about them sometimes. And Daryl's just not that. He's just down to earth dude yeah like and just so stoked on like he'll tell you if he likes stuff or if he doesn't like stuff and it was mm-hmm. really nice to just have that honesty and that hey we're all on the same team here guys let's do something cool together you know well i mean really and he never cool. made it feel like a big deal because it was like like the the two new ones we did mm-hmm. i was like overdubbing the solos sitting right next to this dude and it was never like he never made it feel like i was like working with this amazing legendary producer was always like oh dude can you do that like just like 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 the way like a friend of mine would behave like making you know music with them you know super organic and he was super just like oh yeah that was sweet dude like blah blah yeah super laid back does he sound like steve (laughs) no (laughs) (laughs) and they got the impression and this is always something that sort of matters that he wasn't enjoying himself yeah right Yes, mm-hmm. you can sort of understand when people feel like it's a job or not. Mm-hmm. And, like, it was really important for me for it to feel fun for him. Right. Mm-hmm. In the sense where I didn't want it to feel too, like, I feel like when we rehearse stuff, we'll have a tendency to be perfectionist. I'll have a tendency to be perfectionist <laughs> about stuff. And we keep, you know, running in, it, until it's right. And that can get not fun at times, right? Yeah. But I just want to make sure that that experience working with us like wasn't too inorganic and i feel mm-hmm. like it was a great level of like letting him do his thing if that makes mm-hmm. sense yeah and he was a really easy guy to trust and was very uh decisive about the things that he wanted to do but also was was really you know encouraging for us to speak up and be like hey is this what you guys want is this what you're going for i was thinking this and we're like yeah sounds great like do do what you do on this man put put your steez on it Cool. Yeah, and for the for the people out there who 
are interested in the recording world, we uh, did something a little differently than we normally do, and that's track the lead vocal live while we're all playing. Mm-hmm. While we're all playing the track, mm-hmm. um, which is something that we don't normally do. You know, I'm, I'll usually put scratch vocals on, and we'll go back and then record the actual uh, lead for it. But we didn't do that this time, and it was it was really fun to do that because I feel like the energy that comes out when you're playing along and and focusing more on making sure that your timing is right and you're playing with the band um, kind of frees you up to just have more, I don't know what the right word I'm looking for is, but it's just... uh, Energy, probably? Yeah, the energy of of that vocal is just uh, an interesting interesting difference to it and uh, to do that, that version that way. which is which is awesome. I feel like that could be a scary thing too, because then it's like, well, this just is what it is, mm-hmm. you know, and it's going to be good or it's going to be bad, and we have no control over that. But it's like also another, you know, it's it's own experience, you know. Yeah, like that's yeah. a whole other approach. <clears throat> and getting to send. And since we're, uh, I, I was just going to say, getting to getting to send the the vocal and stuff like straight to the the reverb chamber there at sunset was like just so mm. cool because i think it's so classic man so um, uh sunset is one of the last locations with its own reverb chamber i feel like it's there um i've actually heard the story about capital right and back in the day uh they have a bunch of chambers underneath capital records like they're uh, in the basement and it used to be back in the day they used to send stuff through the telephone wire Mm-hmm. And send it to a microphone at Capitol so it can record Capitol's echo chamber, and it would record it and then send it back to whoever had ordered it or something like that. So they're like making money with their echo chambers back in the day, wow. yeah, like uh, via telephone uh, uh, cable. Wow! But um, there's like few studios that have their own echo chambers left, and mm-hmm. Sunsets is on the roof of theirs, and I've seen. I've actually got to see one of them because my friend works there. So in the room opposite the one we were in, you know, he's like, where do you think the echo chamber is here? It's like, I don't know, in the roof. And then he goes and he like pulls back where this rack unit is. And it's this secret compartment built into the wall. And then you could see like just the, the microphone and the room and stuff like that. And it's crazy. It's wow. like an, a real recording studio, you know, yeah. just um, it was built to be a recording studio. Yeah, and since we're talking about recording studios and since we're talking about recording um, and because people are here listening to us, uh, Chad just asked, um, do we have a preference on digital Pro Tools land, tape land, both, and or why? I've never actually recorded to to tape before. Um, I've never recorded to tape before. I've tracked to tape once. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Yeah, I haven't done it either. Someone... Well, no, I've ta- trapped to t- uh, track to tape twice. So track the first time was uh, probably 15 years ago with one of my very first bands before Robert John the Wreck even existed. And Pro Tools was first starting to even be a thing. Mm-hmm. So um, a tape machine wasn't uncommon at that point. And they just decided that they wanted to use a two-inch tape machine. They liked it. It was a guy named... Nacho in a band called the Caffeines. Ooh. And Shout they were like a hardcore band back in the day, and he recorded one of my band's first albums. So 
Shout out to Nacho from the Nacho. caffeine. Nacho. And yeah. it sounded good. I didn't. I, I was too young to understand anything that it might have done to the sound. This is so, Steve. You know Orgone, right? Yeah. Orgone is this great mm-hmm. funk band. Um, Steve's friends with their singer. What's her name again? Adrian. 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 Yeah. And in one of my reggae bands, one of my reggae bands, in Bodie Rock, uh, we recorded at Orgone's studio, which was in NoHo, and they converted this apartment into this badass all-tape studio. And they've done a bunch of, like, um, really organic-sounding records there, and they do it all to tape. And they had some kind of Pro Tools-y thing it wasn't Pro Tools, but it was specifically made for the tape and the tape machine, but it was software. Hmm. But it was really a more organic software that didn't do what Pro Tools did. Like, you couldn't edit like you can edit on Pro Tools. Mm. You couldn't do crazy stuff. It basically just had some EQs and stuff built in. So you track the tape, and I think it was tracking into this thing at the same time. So I think it did both, almost like the class. A clasp system that would track the tape and then track its Pro Tools at the same time. Um, but there you could, the sound was like night and day different where tape does something, it's glue, it does something different. Um, but as Robert John, the band, we've never gotten the opportunity to track the tape. I remember specifically, this is a funny story about Warren too, now that we're talking about Warren again. Um, when I used to work there, they had a clasp system. They don't, no one uses them anymore. It's way too expensive to track tape. No one tracks the tape. Right when the, like people started caring about using tape anymore, they built the system that was a rack unit to track the tape and Pro Tools at the same time. Mm-hmm. And they had one there, but they never used it because they didn't want to calibrate the system. Mm-hmm. And I, I remember Warren going like, Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. We'll use the clasp system. It'll be great. Like we'll do all the things. And he didn't do any of this <laughs> <laughs> when he recorded us. It's just a sound, right? Like it's just a sound. You can accomplish that sound in different ways. Like mm. it's expensive to track the tape, and it's it's not as flexible. Like really, if you have a tag that you love and you want to fix one thing, like I think it's a better thing to be able to just be able to fix it. Yeah. How do you guys feel about digital recording? That's the only thing I've ever known, so I don't, I don't know anything about tape. The only thing, the closest thing to doing tape, I had this Tascam uh, tape recorder thing, and so I did a couple of demos, and I was like, I found this thing at like Goodwill, and for some reason it was in like perfect condition, and uh, I did a couple of demos on that, and uh, it was pretty interesting. It definitely, you know, it does something to the sound recording mm-hmm. to. I think there's there's a happy medium between involving both that will probably unlock some sort of mystical quality of the sound while still maintaining flexibility. Um, I think both is honestly the best bet. There's some way you can involve both. Yeah, yeah it's just it, it gets tough though because I mean you, you don't only need the the tape that you're recording to number one. Like you also need like the MRL tape to be able to tune the systems and all that kind of stuff and mm. make sure to get those. It's a whole, I remember going, when I was going to the Los Angeles recording school, um, we had a whole class on tape machines and we're working on old studers and, and, uh, actually going through and like, you know, tuning up everything and running the MRL tape. And it was like a, you know, 15 minute process before you even, you know, could start like getting sounds and stuff. 
And it was a total mindfuck. It was crazy. But, and I couldn't imagine now, like, you know, you hear all these stories about people that are like, oh, yeah, like, had to go in and splice this and splice that. And they're actually cutting with razors and, and taping things together, man. Like, I'm like, dude, if you, if you have the time for it and the money for it, I guess that's cool. But we also like to work fairly you know, quickly and efficiently as a band. So that would definitely add to the studio time and, and overall cost of the record and stuff, just in the amount of time that it would take to reset and, you know, fix things or retract things or whatever. So yeah, I like digital personally. I think we grew up in the era where we learned on digital. So Mm -hmm. like not having the flexibility is like almost scary or like, you just don't know, um, what you're getting yeah but also some of it too i think is just the playing in the room and just having that you know even small amount of bleed and just capturing the performance of people playing together at the same time i think is is a little more of that kind of tape vibe so if you have if you have a really good room and really great gear and great performances then things are gonna i think most of the magic is always going to come from that yeah, especially somewhere like Sunset, where if you've ever looked at their rooms, it's just, like, gear everywhere. Um, you go, oh, like, tape was just one piece of a hundred things that made this sound. So, mm-hmm. like, it's Pro Tools, like, really, you know, the deciding factor of whether mm-hmm. something sounds 70s or not. Or is it, like, that 70s microphone and the 70s room that you're in yeah. right? and the 70s, you know, drum kit that you're playing the console, the preamps. Yeah, the seventies console right. and yeah. The compressor that it's going through yeah. and the EQ that it's going through <clears throat> from the seventies. Yeah. You have like nine, you know, pieces there that have to do with that sound. Making that thing making that sound is Pro Tools the thing that's you know oh you recorded it on Pro Tools? Like, that's not cool. <laughs> like after you know, doing like nine right. vintage things that cost you know, whatever, $10,000 at yeah. that point, you're just like being, you know, a hipster about it. Right. <laughs> <laughs> oh, you didn't record a tape. That's not cool. It's like, we literally did like everything else that is seventies or, you know, I, sorry, we recorded a studio that Zeppelin recorded at with the microphones that are from that era. Yeah, like, right. is that, what did you do on your record? You yeah. fake hipster that I've made up on my <laughs> mind that's an asshole. Yeah, Chad Chad says it definitely makes you perform the take, though. And I, I agree with that, Chad. Um, that, uh, yeah, but when you only have one shot at it, you know, that's that's definitely the, the thing. But I, f- I feel like we we did that anyway with with this recording. Like the, the couple of yeah, other there wasn't we much did editing, was, right? There I do, I will say this. Sorry, like, yeah, no, to go. cut you off. I like editing when people edit things more of a tape style, yes. which I think is what most good producers do. They go, they don't like splice and dice and try to make things perfect. They go, let me just take the chorus from take two, mm-hmm. but like 99% of take three is what we're going to use. Yeah. And that like, especially what we were doing is like all live tracking with everything. Like you can't really hide much of anything, you know? So yeah, there wasn't I, I much- feel like, Sorry. Oh no, I there was wasn't much when you bring it up I realized too yeah there wasn't really like a lot of crazy editing happening at all like it was pretty 
the workflow was pretty like, okay, yeah, we're just going <coughs> to take this thing from this take. And yeah. even my solos weren't really comped together at all since most of it was done in the room. And it was pretty cool to just do it that way, do it organically. Yeah. And Your solos were fucking rad too, man. Shit, you were yeah. pulling out some stuff that was, I was just like, damn, Henry, fuck yeah. Come on with your bad self. Damn, Daniel. Damn, Daniel. Damn, Daniel. Back at it with the white fans. <laughs> <laughs> guys are in the meme past, all right? <laughs> well, we're just, we're just being being nostalgic with our with our meme memeage. Do you remember? What is everyone drinking? We haven't even yeah, talked yeah. about yeah. What, are we, talk about what, are we, what are we drinking, about? gentlemen? I'm going to go last. Okay. Cool. I'll pretend you're here the whole time. Uh, I'll start. Uh, what do you think this is? Water. Water. It's water. I'm drinking water. I've got a. Uh, I've got a blood test tomorrow, so I have to. I have to fast tonight. So I made a. Uh, I bought an air fryer though, and so I made some uh, some chicken and uh, French fries in my air fryer. Wow. My brand new air fryer, and they both turned out really delicious. So I'm excited to use that more. Nice. And uh, yeah, Sounds so awesome. I'm just drinking water tonight, taking it easy. I figured, you know, drinking every other day of this quarantine. Yeah, I might as well just take a night off. It's Makes delicious. Sense. It came out of the tap. Uh, good old Costa Mesa wow. water. Right there from with, the tap. With my ice machine that I love. But the ice is melted now. But Warren, what do you have? Well, I am drinking a LaCroix. No surprise there. <laughs> I am drinking the Lemoncello LaCroix that has been previously discussed on this podcast. For anybody who doesn't know, it tastes exactly like a lemon bar or a lemon cake or cookie or whatever. It's really good, especially if you're into lemon type stuff. So, oh, Warren, have we talked about it on the podcast? I'm not <laughs> sure. Yes, we have. Oh, we have. We Wait, what, have. what is this? What is this? <laughs> the, 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 we definitely the have. Uh, I'm just joking because I'm yeah. the one who made a huge deal about the Lacroix. <laughs> <laughs> Have you, you already gone through all of yours that you Is bought? it sad that even though I like literally have one in my bar right now, I'm still jealous that you're drinking one at the moment? Like, <laughs> I, my jealousy knows no bounds. I'm like the worst human alive. Yeah, well, it's almost empty, and it's the last one, if that makes you feel any better. Now I'm jealous. You drinking, Andrew? I have one left in your fridge. I don't have one. Yeah, what are you drinking? Better not be the recording. Um... <laughs> That would be hilarious. I'm like, I'm super jealous. Like, <laughs> I'm so jealous. <laughs> With a big, like, I just take out two of them. Yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah. Take that, Warren. One better. No. Um. Just look at my look my, at my bubble bath full of full of Lacroix. Yeah, like Jesus Christ. <laughs> so the next level, keeping up with the Joneses, just <laughs> no. Um. I am drinking a mojito. Yeah. My mint plant. Um, something's eating it. And so we just decided to cut it all out and let it regrow and see if it, uh, like, it was, it was growing weird. So we just decided to pluck it all and cut it all out because mint grows like a weed. So we're going to see if we can get it back. And if it grows fuller, because we've seen other people's mint and it just grows like amazing and ours is sucking. So had to get rid of it tonight. Made a mojito. There you go. Nice. Henry, what you got? I have a Belast Point lager. Belast. So fancy. Did you just say Belast Point? 
Blast point, bro. I'm getting blasted. <laughs> I'm I can't like figure blasted. out the angle. There's the angle. Yeah. Nice. Just a just a regular beer. From, from Blast Point. Blast from Blast Point. point. Yeah. From Blast Point. <laughs> from San Diego. I'm gonna let someone else besides me tell him why it's, that's funny. It's Ballast Point, dude. <laughs> ballast. That's how you pronounce that word. And they're oh, from Blast Point? They're from, they're from San Diego, right? Are they from yeah. San Diego? Yeah. And they're really Blast good. Point? <laughs> ballast. Call the Blast Point. Um, Blast Point. Oh, fun you, fact: you I the, met one of the co-owners of Ballast Point at a event that I was working. We walked through a farm, and someone was introducing us to these things that they called Sancho buttons. But they were these little things that looked like mushroom caps. But when you ate them, it made your face numb. Whoa, weird! That could be fun. <laughs> sort of like poppers for anyone who gets that joke, but it's <laughs> yeah. probably like a very small community. And it wasn't that bad. It just like made your lips numb a little bit. I ate these weird Sancho buttons with the co-owner of Ballast Point. And this is right before they sold to, I think they sold to InBev or someone like that. But mm. oh. Nice. Damn. Nice. He was a super nice guy. All right. Let's listen to some music. Robert, what do you have? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah. Oh. The reason I was there. I'm, just, uh, I'm just having a Robert John iced tea because oh. I don't have any more beer. Oh. Uh, Jack Daniels soda water bitters. Tom Day. What about the lemon? Where's the lemon? Well, I used the lemon Lacroix for the soda water. So Ooh. I killed two birds with one stone. Yeah, you know the trick. Yeah, yeah. small birds, big stone. Is it bitter? Wait, okay. So I have a controversy. I have another Lacroix controversy, right? Oh God. Look, La- Lacroix controversy. Henry, what did you think this podcast was going to be about? Music. <laughs> we have to talk about Lacroix and Sancho buttons, all right? And food. Sancho buttons. Um, it just sounds dirty. I feel like if you put ice in a LaCroix that's not cold, it doesn't taste as good. It starts losing its flavor, or like whatever the nose thing is that LaCroix are. If you put ice into a warm LaCroix, it doesn't taste good. Hmm. Hmm. Have you guys ever tried that? I don't no. think I've ever drank a warm LaCroix. This one's kind of warm right here. <laughs> not like a... Not like... Like, it's not, it didn't come out of the fridge, if that makes sense. Yeah. We'll have to do some blind tastings to, to, uh, I will get this theory down. Do that. Yeah. Some blind blast points. We'll do it. We'll do the rose tasting. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. We'll see if Henry can tell the difference between three roses he's never had before. But you have to All chug right. the whole bottle. It's just three bottles to the face. Which one is it? The one's great. Okay. Henry, what you got, bro? Okay. All right. Well, I am going to, do some shameless self-promotion today because I'm worth it. Uh, I just released an album on Friday. Yeah. It's out. It's on everything ever, uh, all the things everywhere on the internet. It is called King Tree and the Earth Mothers. And that is the name of the record as well. And uh, it was my brainchild for a number of years. And I had to redo it about five times. And uh, due to various circumstances, um, one of those, in fact, involving our backpacks and possessions being stolen on a faithful afternoon in Barcelona. And among my possessions was a laptop and my backup hard drive with all of my music on it, which included the album. So I had to redo the whole album. And uh, so, yeah, I'm just going to play the song off that. And because uh, I feel like it 
and I didn't have another song today, and I thought it would be relevant because it just came out on Friday, and oh, it's yeah. on Spotify. And what's, oh, the, yeah. what's the name of the song you're playing? Oh, this song's called Jump Back. It's the shortest song on the record. Yeah. At three and a half minutes. And it's the first first tune on the record as well. First tune. There's six songs on this record. Yeah. And uh, I did it all by myself. So now, here with the world premiere of King Tree and the Earth Mothers, Jump Back. Go! on my end yes. I've heard that song obviously so I, I love yeah. that song oh thanks but uh 
Yeah, the audio was pretty crunchy. Thanks, Robert. I love that song. Yeah. You did such a good job on that shit, dude. Fuck. Thanks, man. I love it. Yeah, I've been getting um, a lot of messages from people over the last couple days, which is really cool. It's uh, it's on all the streaming platforms. Every single thing. Nice. All the the Spotify's, the iTunes. um, It's for sale on Bandcamp. SoundCloud. I don't know what the other ones are. Um, Deezer. I, oh, I guess Apple. Apple Music. Rhapsody. Yeah, Deezer. Uh, Title. Yeah. Um, yeah. <laughs> mm. Right. YouTube. YouTube. It's actually on YouTube. Yeah, man. Uh, it's on YouTube Music as well. So. And for those of you guys Pretty listening cool. on the uh, the podcast platforms of Apple Podcasts and Spotify Podcasts, there is a link in the description here oh. for you to go and check out. Uh, King Tree and the Earth Mother's self-titled 2020 release that just came out on Friday. And you can listen to the whole six-song collection and trip the fuck out, dude. I love it. Yeah, bro. Yeah. Make sure you smoke a fat bowl before you (laughs) can get down with the trippy, trippy dippies, dude. Trippy, trippy dippy, trippy dippy, dude. I don't know. Yeah, bro. (laughs) I'm psychedelic, man. Trippy Dippy Dan, Trippy Dippy Dale, Trippy Dippy Steve. You want to keep going? Or? No, yeah. no, that's that's it. I'm, <laughs> yeah, open, I'm, I'm open to suggestions here, guys. <laughs> I figured I'd, uh, nobody Trippy jumped Dippy. on the the bandwagon there. Been like, right, so, uh, and Henry, would this be the newest song you've ever played for your history lesson? Yes, definitely. Yeah, good to know. Would be the most current song I've played. Uh, and that is going to be on the playlist as well because I did. It is technically part of Henry's history lesson. And uh, link for that's also in the description. Link for that is also in the description. Yeah. The playlist is uh, growing every week. Yeah, with new stuff. And dude, Excuse so the, I know that you guys can't see this here, but um, the artwork. For this is absolutely amazing, man. Who, yeah, who, who did, did the artwork? artwork? Um, so, so I had a buddy of mine who is a, an artist. I believe he's he's here in Huntington Beach, actually. Um, his name's Eric Vincent, and he goes under the his his artist name is Roshi. And you can find him on Instagram at Dirty Old Roshi. And uh, man, just like amazing artist. Um, He's done a lot of work for some friends of mine, and uh, he came over to my place, I think it was about a year ago, um, when I was living in Costa Mesa, and uh, we just talked about it one night, and uh, and he was like, um, you know, we, we kind of like, I didn't even think about it until until my roommate at the time, Brad, was like, hey, you should ask him to do your artwork, because he's done artwork for my band, and it's really awesome, and I was like, oh my god, yeah, his artwork is amazing. And so he was like, yeah, I'm totally down. And I sent him the songs and we just like kind of went back and forth for about, I think, I think the last six months or so we've been going back and forth. And then obviously when COVID hit and the quarantine happened, um, gave everybody a little bit more free time. And uh, honestly, I don't know if I would have finished this record actually, if that hadn't happened. I don't know if I would have had the time to get it mastered and, and kind of focus on getting the logistics figured out otherwise um yeah and so yeah so eric vincent and he's on instagram at dirty old roshi and he makes all like he's just 
insane. Like he just makes all this incredible artwork for, it's just kind of like what he does for a living basically. And, um, he's like traveled all over the world making murals and stuff like that. And, uh, very, very, very lucky to have him do the artwork on that. It's really beautiful, man. And there's so many layers to the the album artwork Mm -hmm. here. And it's still just got that kind of like trippy throwback vibe to it as well, but still incorporating, you know, all the different elements and stuff. It's really, really neat what he did, man. Yeah, it's uh, it it just kind of went way far beyond what I had in mind. You know, I had a certain thing in mind, and then he was like, "Okay, we're gonna take what you thought you wanted your album cover to be and make it a hundred times better." <laughs> <laughs> yeah, dude. This is like, cool, but. Maybe we should not do that. Yeah, that was pretty much, <laughs> like, that was pretty much what happened. I sent him a couple sketches that like friends had done that like weren't finished, but were you know sort of ideas. And I was like, yeah, like I want it to be kind of more in this direction. And then he was like, okay, we'll check out this sketch. And I was like, whoa, dude. And then he sent me the finished piece. I was like, dude, this is crazy. Like, yeah, this is just an insane piece of artwork. And is he is is he painting this? Is he drawing this? Is it- yeah, it was painted. He yeah. actually wow. did that on a on a like he did. Um, I, I believe he did acrylic. Nice so painting for that. And uh, yeah, That's and so cool. I man. I was like, I don't know what I, if I want you to do it with ink or with acrylic paint or what. And he was like, No, nah, I think we should do this on a painting. And the first picture he sent of me uh, sent to me of the artwork was literally he had just finished it on an easel. Like wow. on a uh, canvas, yeah, on like a square canvas, and I was, and then he's like, "Yeah, I'm gonna have a professional uh, photographer take a picture of this, and then I'm gonna do the design for the logo in uh, whatever Adobe or something. Yeah. I don't, remember, I don't know exactly what he used, but on his computer, he did the logo that's in the top left corner of the of the album. Yeah, but yeah, he he painted that whole thing, so that's it was so like cool, man. Just total crazy, like." Just crazy talented artist. I want that as a poster for my room. <laughs> like, I'm sure you can make that happen. So Do you cool. have the original canvas? I don't. He does. Uh, it would definitely be worth talking about. You know, making some screen prints or something like yeah, that, dude, or some sort yeah. of a thing. You know. But I'll let him know you said that. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> no, just, I mean, if, if, if there's the original canvas, that might be yeah. something cool for you to have one day. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Totally. Yeah. Unless he keeps all of these original canvases, and that makes sense as an artist, but yeah, I don't, I don't know. I haven't really asked about it. I just wanted to get the artwork and yeah, knocked it out of the planet. <laughs> yeah, rad, nice. Well, great, great job on that track and the rest of the trip. Yeah, Thanks. Man. Yeah, it sounds great. I like that song. Amanda was like album. talking about how much she likes it. So, oh, cool. Thanks. That means you won. Yay! <laughs> All right, <laughs> Henry wins again for the second really week. Really big joke about how like yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, <laughs> how like uh, when girlfriends or something like like specific songs or something like that, but they don't know who wrote it or they don't know who was involved. Like it's always super, super weird. They're like, "Oh yeah, I love this song. This is my favorite, but this one isn't good." And it's like, that's the one you wrote that they don't like and then the one that they do like was the one that like you were giving Steve a bunch of shit about like that it wasn't going to work and that it's like <laughs> it's always the way it works out yeah so it's funny so the other person's girlfriend is always like the best badge of honor <laughs> that's awesome I'll take it 
I'll take it any day of the week. Amanda's asking for the uh, cover art as the T-shirt. Oh, yeah. That, yeah, really that cool. could definitely happen. Yeah, I could definitely make that figure out how to do all that for you if you have the, like, Photoshop file of the thing. I do. I have a really high-resolution uh, uh, file of it. Yeah. Nice. Slide into my DMs, and we can talk about it later. All right, bro. <laughs> Sounds good. Sounds like a deal. Totally professional. Yeah, dude. No scam here, bro. Totally professional. Oh, yeah. (laughs) (laughs) I forgot about that. A guy asked me to invest like a thousand dollars into something while we were on tour. (laughs) And I just like kept, I remember that. I kept posting about it and then like kept like just seeing how far the rabbit hole went. And everyone was like, you got to keep going. You got to keep seeing if the scam works or not. And I got to the point where he's like actually asking me for the money. He's like, here's the bank account number. Or here's this thing. And I'm like, I, I don't feel comfortable with this anymore, guys. I got to stop. <laughs> <laughs> we had to have an intervention for you to stop. Yeah, I think everyone told me to stop. So, All right. It's like, but you send me money first so I know that the bank account's real. Then I'll send it back to you. He sent me all these like. It was so funny. It was like, oh, here, talk to my friend. Like, my friend will, like, tell you I'm legit. And uh, he sent me this other guy's thing. And he's like, oh, yeah, I worked with this guy. And he's totally legit. But, like, that (laughs) other guy's profile was also all bullshit. Like, you know, and not anything. So it was hilarious. I'm like, I'm not going to, like, do people actually fall for this? I've been getting yeah. hit up like by like cartoonists and stuff, but they only have like maybe five posts or whatever, and it's always so weird because they uh, they'll hit me up and I'm like, hey, like, do you have a website? Can I see more of your work? Because uh, this is the same photo that's been posted on like four other accounts that have hit me up for the same shit in the last like week. <laughs> it's like, why do you think that I need like caricatures of myself, dude? Like, if I wanted that, I'd go to fucking like Santa Monica Pier. You got it done by Is a that professional. A thing? I don't know. I, I was just hit up today by uh, somebody offering art or cartoons or something on Instagram. Yeah, it's so First weird. First time, though. It's weird. So weird. I've never been hit up about that. I don't I get hit up very often about anything. Is a thing, you know? Yeah. Always people listening. People have bored quarantine money. It's like, oh, sure, I'll get a caricature of myself for $15. Like, why would I not do that? Yeah. <laughs> But yeah, as soon as you're like, yeah, just send me a PayPal request or send me an invoice. They're like, no, you need to pay up front for it. I'm like, I don't pay up front for fucking anything, dude. Like, unless it's, you know, like bass or guitar tracks and from you guys, hey, yeah. you know, but um, I know you. It's like, you don't, because you we're don't pay for your about- meal before you eat it. You pay at the end. Give me my cartoon smorgasbord, you know? I mean, once they send you the caricature, what's the incentive to pay anymore, Steve? <laughs> just regular fucking And you can just take the caricature and run to yeah, what's, whatever. What's the incentive of uh, once the item's already in your hand at the store that you should pay for it? It's like, because that's fucking stealing and it's wrong. Like, just, if you want to shoplift, fucking don't. <laughs> oh, man. Like, I, mean, I, the works. I, just lost, unpack, I just lost track of what just happened. I did, too, but... I'm going to bring up an a order discussion order. topic because yeah. we're just in the studio we're talking about studios. I think we should do 
worst studio experiences. And this should be interesting because I feel like everyone's done a lot of recording here, either in this band or not in this band. Warren worked at a recording studio, right? Yeah. Mm -hmm. And so think of your whole life from recording, you know, I remember recording my friend playing bass into my PC and I plug like a quarter inch cable into like an eighth inch cable, plug it in the microphone jack of some like, you know, Windows 95 computer and tried to record him doing something when I was like 14 years old to recording at Sunset Sound with Daryl Thorpe. What is the worst recording experience that you've had? That's an easy one for me. I was running this, this can be like this can be personal experiences too. Not like you don't have to be in a studio. Yes, any just recording oh. in general. Oh, yeah. I was I was running a studio out in Corona back in two thousand eight, two thousand nine, and uh, was working on this girl's record. And she, so she, we set up like four day. It was five days to record and mix like a six song EP, right? And like all acoustic and everything. She wanted like her cousin to come in and play drums and stuff. I was like, cool, yeah, no problem. Like and I had other musician uh roommates and, and stuff. So like I had my studio band there that would just play on everything and we worked out like a deal where I would, you know, either pay them or, you know, take money off of their rent and stuff uh for doing session work. And this girl just did not show up for the first three days of tracking. And I'm like, Hey, like texting and like, Hey, where are you at? Like the time started, you know, like this has been set up for like a month and a half. She finally came in on, on the fourth day out of five and was like completely unprepared. Didn't know, like couldn't play the guitar herself. Didn't want anybody else to play guitar on it. And so I, you know, threw up some mics and, and was tracking it and just trying to get, some sort of a usable performance out of it. And then um, her cousin came in to play drums and he brought in a half electric kit. Um, so all of the shells were electric drums, like the Roland like TD-10 or TD-12 kit, and then live cymbals. And I was like, okay, that's like that's cool. Like, whatever. Like, do you want to do, you know, do you have like specific samples that you want to use? Do you have, you know, uh, specific sounds that you want to go for? Are you going just through the rolling sounds? Like, you know, how do you want to run this? And he didn't know. And he just sat there like the worst time possible, like that I've ever experienced. And all of his fills were just like, like 64th notes, just, you know, on the, like on the mesh heads where it's just like, like, and I was like, dude, like what is going on? And I've got like one day to get this done. And I'm like, hey, like, that's, you know, here's here's your files. Like, I don't have time to, to mix this, and I have another client coming in and um, next week for, for their record. And, like, you wasted the first three days. You know, like, you, I can book you for later on. And it turns out that she was actually, like, a college professor for the next band that was coming in. And so she told them that... Like, she went over my head and told them that they couldn't come in and record and give them a bunch of extra classwork to do so that she could finish up her record. And then, like, it was just pulling teeth trying to get her to pay for the extra time and shit. I was just like, this is fucking terrible. And the record, and we finished it up, and 
the record sounded like shit, and I just kind of took my name off of it. So, but yeah, that was my terrible experience. Oh, wow. It was it was unbelievably wow. shitty. From it's pretty the bad. Get-go. That's really bad. <laughs> yeah. That's that's one of one of the experiences why I like was totally cool with like disbanding that studio and just going and working with other people <laughs> that knew what they were doing. I'm like, let me just pay for your guys' time to come in and just do what you're supposed to do, and then I don't have to worry about stupid people and chasing after invoices and all that. So, yeah, that was mine. The war. <laughs> that's fine. Uh... So, I don't know, I have a couple, but there's one that totally sticks out. I had one of those super cliche moments that they talk about, uh, like when you're first recording about like recording everything. Mm -hmm. And uh, when I was going to MI, I got a job working in a recording studio. So I was... uh, so I was I was learning and I was working as a tracking engineer at the same time, um, which was interesting. So the very first session that I got on my own, I was tracking this guy and he was working with the vocalist in the booth, and they were going over like they weren't really they were they, we hadn't recorded anything yet. They were kind of like talking about this part. And she would sing like maybe two or three words and then he'd start talking and then like maybe she'd sing a word or two and like they'd talk. And, uh, and I was just doing playback. And when he got out, he's like, okay, I want to listen to all that back. And I was like, oh, I, I hadn't, I didn't record any of that. I didn't think you like, he didn't sit, like, and it was my first session. I didn't know what to do. And he's like, you didn't record any of that? Like, all you're here to do is like paid to like record and blah, 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 blah. Like this is your one job and you didn't fucking do it. And like I got bitched out for 20 minutes, but I realized that in pro tools at the time, maybe different because it's been a while since I've been on it. Um, there's a, there's a, a, a method of recording called punch record, which is when the, the button has a little P in it. And a thing about recording and punch record is, um, it's always recording. So if you hit the space bar and you get playback, even if it's not tracking, it's recording. So if you get a little snippet of that at any at point of when you started playback, you can actually slide back that take and get all of the stuff that was on there, mm-hmm. um, whether you meant to or you didn't. And I was smart enough that I put myself in punch record, and I, I think I had clipped a very little end piece. And like, while he was screaming at me, I remembered and I went back into a playlist take and I pulled it open and I was like, wait, 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 I got everything. At that point he had already, I had already been bitched at and I already got (laughs) the wrath of not doing it. And I just kind of froze for a second. And so that was the, uh, one of those always record everything every time like don't even think twice and then the other thing is setting yourself up in with techniques like punch recorder things like that to ensure that you're always getting everything and uh yeah yeah and and that that first session too like uh the he got the drums from gordon campbell who's like a huge studio uh gospel guy and like i'm pretty sure andrew goucher was the bass player who had played with prince and like 
it was my first session and I was so, I had no idea what I was doing. And, uh, and I definitely got thrown into the fire and Ooh. learned a lot of stuff real quickly. But, uh, yeah, that was very, very uncomfortable. <laughs> Damn. Shit. What was I going to say? Oh. I can't remember. Sorry. Oh, Go ahead. <laughs> How about you, Robert? What you got? Well, I thought it was going to be like, you know, those early stages when you're trying to figure out how to record yourself, like on like, a, you know, some weird thing that doesn't work. And then, but it, those are all learning experiences. So they, uh, they weren't like bad, but and then it came across my head when I, I was in a, like a post hardcore band, um, in the early stages of being in a band and, uh, this was 16, 17, 18 era. I don't know which year it was, but it was that age frame, you know, like where you're, at least for me, still trying to figure it out. And none of my friends knew how to record or anything. Like we were all, you know, figuring everything out together. And um, one of our friend's brothers had like his own like rehearsal spot studio. And so we asked if we could like record with them. They said, yeah, come in. So we did all like the tracking of all the, all the songs like instrumentally. Right. And, uh, and then we, nothing was ever talked about. We just said, Hey, we want to record with you. Like you have the equipment. So we'll go in there and record everything. And so we had all these cool tracks that we thought were cool at the time. Um, and then we recorded vocals, which I wasn't the singer uh, of the band. Um, so we went to, they were students at Cypress college in the recording program. So we got to use like the Cypress college recording thing and we tracked all the vocals for like this like five song ep that we put together and then we're, we said okay cool like let's like let's mix it now let's hear it like what does it sound like and they're like oh well um you have to pay us to put the vocals into the audio you know into the music tracks and we're like what like we didn't talk about any payment thing like this was for your like class and you know we didn't we were 16 and 17, like, A, we had no money, and then B, like, we never talked about paying for any of this. We just thought you were doing it for fun or for your class. And so uh, we never got those vocal tracks. Uh, we got, like, the audio tracks, but we got vocal tracks to put over the audio. And so we never released anything because we never got them. And then wow. so there's tracks somewhere on someone's hard drive of all the vocal takes for the whole EP that we put out that we, well, we didn't put it out because we never were able to get the tracks because they wanted like a thousand plus dollars. We had no money. What? Like we didn't have a thousand dollars. Like, and so it was just, you know, we spent a lot of time doing it and, uh, we never got anything out of it other than non vocal audio tracks of post hardcore music, which <laughs> isn't that cool without the vocals screaming over top of it. So that was probably the worst experience that I've had in a recording environment and people recording you and taking the time to do so, but then just not putting it together for you because you didn't pay them. So that's uh, probably the worst recording experience that I've gone through. I'm still trying to think. I'm, I'm, Okay. I'm going through several things in my uh, mind, but I am too. But I can make a pretty concise decision about this. Sure, if you feel um, good, then when I know. was, I think I had either, I think I was around that same age, like seventeen, eighteen, and 
Like one of the only kids that had a laptop that I knew that like knew how to use an audio interface properly, like knew how to record because I had this program I, I attended in high school that taught me how to use audio interfaces, which was really awesome. Um, and, uh, I had a friend that used to play in one of my bands, and he just kind of went really hardcore into this like rap thing. So he wanted to rap. So his like things like he would basically just pay me in weed to like <laughs> record him rapping <laughs> over beats. That's awesome. And then just be like <laughs> complain about the microphone not sounding like whatever, like whatever the rapper he was into. And it's like I like I don't have like mic preamps or anything. I'm literally plugging directly <laughs> in the box, dude. And then he would just get like ridiculously stoned, like bring a friend over and they'd try to do a collab track. And then like, it, it was just weird. <laughs> it's like, but it, was awesome. it was just awkward. And like, yeah, like, like the rap was like not very good. And, but then he'd like be like, yeah, I'm getting pretty good at my lines. Right. And I'd be like, yeah, dude, like, sounds great. Yeah. Let's do another take. Yeah. Let's do another take. Yeah. <laughs> One more for safety. One more for you got kids, some more so. weed. Yeah. Great. Okay. And then the other one I, that comes to mind for me is a band I was in a couple years ago that uh, doesn't necessarily need to be named. We finished this record. We recorded it all ourselves, and it came out really, really well. And um, this was the red flag was we wanted to get it mastered, right? And the mastering engineer wanted stems, which means he wanted the er, the individual tracks for mastering and i was like no like we shouldn't give him the stems because it's mastering like he needs to master the wave files or whatever you know the the high high quality files or whatever it is and so we got into this argument me and the same guy in this argument and and, and then i was just like hey whatever we'll we'll give him the stems whatever and so we get the mastering tracks back and it's from like a studio and he fucks our mix up like our mix is like totally fucked and the singer already spent the money on it. And we were all like, yeah, that doesn't sound good. Like, why did we go through this guy to do this? Like, we should not have given him stems. Like, why did you let him ask for the stems? And so it was just this like curse upon the band for the remainder of its existence, basically. And that was a pretty shitty experience. Sounds like a shitty mastering engineer. (laughs) (laughs) no master engineer in history has ever asked for stems ever because that's not what mastering is exactly and that was my point it was like why is he asking for stems like we're happy with the mix why is he asking for stems and uh yeah so he just fucked the whole thing up and so we had to redo the whole thing ourselves again and uh those are my bummer bro shit up to I have two instances of me being the asshole in this situation. <laughs> two? So there's probably a thousand, but I'm just gonna start with two. Um, I lived at a house, and uh, the older guys know this in Long Beach, where there was a recording studio, and that's where Robert John had filmed some of the earlier videos for like. Um, Georgia Mud and Raised we like on the run. If you see those videos, that was my garage. 
God, that was so long ago now. Our friend Eric worked across the street at Coffee Bean, and I used to go in, and uh, now he's a geologist, you know. (laughs) It's such like an odd uh, period of time to talk about. But uh, I recorded the ska band, and what I didn't know is basically, like, you can either be on the road, and or you can, like, be a recording engineer and do records. And I didn't really understand, like, the difference why that mattered. I was like, oh, I could just do everything, right? I can be on tour, and I can try to do people's records and stuff like that. Yeah. And I thought I could do that, but what I realized is that, like, you can't get anything done while you're on tour, or at that age, I didn't know how to do it, right? So, I recorded a ska band, and it sounded great. They did really good. We had a really awesome experience during the tracking process. What I should have done at that point is just sent it to a mixing guy and gone, here, just make this for them and then do that. But instead, I decided to mix it myself. And I wasn't really good at mixing at that point in my life. And so what happens is, like, I'm constantly spending way too much time on this thing, meaning... I'll mix for six hours and then not get something I like out of it. So I just keep poking at this thing. And then on the other end, I just keep getting emails and phone calls going like, Hey, is that mix ready yet? Hey, is that mix ready yet? And I'm like, Oh God. Oh God. Like what have I gotten myself into? And I think it's, um, we go on tour as Robert John wreck. And I'm like, Oh shit. So now I'm like really at a time and I go, okay, cool. I can get my roommate at the time who ran the studio to mix the song for you guys, and he'll be the one to mix it for you. What I didn't realize is that he's worse than me at getting stuff to people. <laughs> <laughs> so now I've yep. hired the guy who is like the worst at doing anything for anyone and going like, hey, can you mix this for them? Sure, no problem. I'll take it on. And then we go on tour, and I'm like, okay, um, you guys, ska band, I'm going to do up this guy. He's mixed a bunch of records. He's like done a totally great job. <clears throat> and then like the first week in the tour, he's like, hey, your friend never got back to us. And I'm like, oh, no, there's nothing I can do, like not from the studio. I don't have a hard drive at the songs. I don't have anything. And then week two is like, man, you really screwed us over. Like, you know, I like. What uh, what are we supposed to do here? And I'm like, I don't know. Like, email that guy. Like, that guy said he was going to do it. I think I got back and I finally got them a version of the recording and no one was very happy with me. And I think at that point, I decided to not be a mixing engineer. <laughs> I think I could have been good as a mixing engineer, but I think touring and doing that kind of thing did not <laughs> bode well with yeah. each other. Simultaneously, absolutely. Yeah. It's just so tough yeah. to get stuff done like, on the road. Oh, man. I can't do this and that at the same time. And I'm sorry to that band. They're a great band. They still play ska music. I think they still play. There's nothing wrong with that band. They did a great job. And uh, I'm sorry. <laughs> <laughs> you heard it here on the podcast, folks. Andrew is yeah. sorry He's to that sorry. Band. He is sorry. At least he didn't try so to be a mastering engineer and ask for stems. Right. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Just send. Just send me the send the stems to the mastering what? engineer. I know. Okay. No. <laughs> oh man. 
but all those experiences made us better people and we learned from all the experiences exactly yes right and so that's the plus side of all these terrible experiences that we all went through right and with that so many more what 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 did you say? I said I have so many more, but we'll do it on another day. Yeah. More like yeah, terrible two. studio stories. <clears throat> God, I I've only been on that other side of that like angry email chain. I can't do it. I can't be on the other side yeah. of the angry email chain. I just feel like such a bad person when people are like, "It's been three months and we haven't gotten this mix back," and I'm like, "Oh God, like, yeah." What am I? What am I supposed to do? And I feel like the good guys just like call it done and know how to call it done and stuff like that, and go like, "Here's what you get." And I didn't figure that out at that point in my life. <laughs> so, yeah, it's pretty funny. No, it's terrifying in the moment. Yeah, right on. <sighs> Bringing back up so many hostile, repressed memories here. <laughs> yeah, I know. It's like therapy. Yeah, it's free too. Free for now. Start charging me for listening to our stories. Oh, no, I just mean Facebook and Instagram for now. All right, I think we should call it. Yep. Yep. We got through uh, food to drinks to music to studio time and the week that we had. So, everything in between. What do we got coming up? I think we should start telling people about what's coming up. Is Do that it. cool, Steve? Do it. Uh, not not in general. I mean about the specific things coming up. I don't think the podcast listener will be, you know. Yeah. What's the so. specific thing about next week? Do you remember? Ah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, got him. Ooh, that was Boom. good. <laughs> are, you, are you telling him about it? Yeah, oh. dude. Oh. Yeah. I'm not telling him. It's your thing. Well, oh. you did it. Yeah, so we uh, we put together a music video for uh, Do You Remember? It's going to be the next single from our new record, Last Light on the Highway. And I went back through like 10 plus years of footage uh, from the band that I've kept on hard Somehow managed to keep on hard yeah. drives uh, over, over the last decade and stitched together a uh, really cool music video for that. And even uh, Dove did some deep dives into Warren and Henry's uh, Facebook pages and and uh, our parents' VHS catalog and old home movies and stuff. So there's, uh, yeah, I'm really proud of it. It was really fun and nostalgic to put together and and uh, really excited for you guys to see it. And when's that coming out again? Next week. Next week. Yeah. Next week. So stay tuned and. Uh, for all y'all celebrating Fourth of July, um, or you know, just the weekend in general, be safe out there and uh, be good to each other and get wrecked. Yeah, you. We'll see you next week.